You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. I'm your host Andrew Musgrove. And today I'm joined by John Gibson. We couldn't let the takeover pass without getting John's view <laughs> and what it means for Newcastle United as a club and, of course, fans, of which he is one of the most crazy Newcastle United fans out there. And, of course, still a journalist as well, still giving his opinion on what it means uh, to cover Newcastle United. John, we'll start, first of all, though, as a fan. Yeah. What did it mean to you to hear that announcement that Mike Ashley, after 14 years has finally left Newcastle United. I'm still buzzing now, absolutely elated. It's been torturous for 14 years. It's been like walking through treacle without, blindfolded, without any sign of an end to it all. Uh, I've campaigned hard, as so many people have done uh, on our paper and elsewhere, to see an end to all this. And... There was times inevitably where you couldn't see the light at the end of the tunnel, but thankfully we're out there now, we're in sunshine, and the feeling is fabulous. It has changed so much. We can put away all that negativity that that was surrounding Newcastle United, which was totally justified. We can forget that now and let uh, uh, optimism be our travelling companion from here on in. And that is a fabulous feeling. I mean, I'm delighted on two fronts. One, because we've got rid of Ashley, who we desperately, desperately... I used to fight in the old days when Newcastle United were run by uh, shareholders. And, and we had McKeague and Lord Westwood and uh, the McKenzie family, etc., etc. This was deeper despair than any of that. I doubt, and I've covered Newcastle United for the Chronicle for 56 years now, and I doubt if there's been so much elation on a takeover, on a change of ownership, as we've got right now. It wasn't like when I worked with the Magpie Group. I don't think it was like that when John actually took over, and it was a slow progress because it was a different progress then. He got onto the board first, and then from the board he got enough shares to be the chairman, etc. That only took off when Kevin Keegan come and the entertainers were built. This is excitement from day one, and it's fabulous. And Geordies have earned the right to walk with hope and optimism again because, by Joe, we haven't had that for a long time. From the view as a journalist there, you mentioned there you covered the entertainers. Obviously, uh, you were there when Bobby Robson was then. Of course, yep. the Fairs Cup back in 1969. Sure. Just give our younger listeners a sense of what it's like as a journalist to cover you know, exciting times at Newcastle night and oh. what might be to come. Wonderful. I mean, there is a huge difference. What I've found recently, like this season's seven Premier League matches until now, I've... 
when I've looked at them at the beginning of a week, I've looked at them with apprehension. I've looked at them with fear. I've looked at them, what if this goes wrong? When we were winning the Fairs Cup, when Kevin Keegan was doing everything, swashbuckling Errol Flynn so with the entertainers, and when Bobby Robson got us rising from the bottom of the table to go up and finish third and play 14 Champions League matches in a season, there was a joy of actually anticipating the game. Monday to Friday was as good as the Saturday because you, you were walking with a strut. And that's what's going to happen again. Now, we'll keep a sense of proportion. It's not necessarily going to happen from day one. You've got to walk before you can run. But long term, it's going to happen. And we will have our usual match preview later in the week. But yeah. just on what you mentioned there, I think many people had this news not come out and the change of ownership hadn't happened. We would be going into that Spurs game dreading it and they're not in the best of form themselves. Correct. But even just with this news and we expect Steve Bruce as well to be showing the door at some point before this Spurs game. We don't think a new manager will come in in time. It'll probably be Graham Jones. But do you think just that bit of news, just the news of the ownership changing will now turn the tables and it'll be Spurs coming up here fearing... Without a shadow of doubt, without a shadow of doubt, the way, to be truthful, when I look back on the last time Newcastle played and the lost at Wolves, having been unable to beat Watford, I honestly thought and was convinced I was watching a relegation side. Now, I'm absolutely convinced <laughs> that they won't go down because you need that feel-good factor and because they can do something about it in January. But players will raise their game. They will throw off the shackles of apprehension, of negative tactics, of square pegs and round holes, players playing out of position. That will go by the board. They can get carried on the wind of change on Sunday. They, they play above yourself. How do you think Hereford beat Newcastle? How do you think all FA Cup things happen? Because the smaller club, and I'm not suggesting we are that, by the way, but the smaller club gets something in them and play above themselves. That's what I'm expecting from Newcastle. Spurs are fragile. They've got quality players, but they're fragile mentally. I believe that with all my heart. Newcastle will now be strong mentally. Hey, do not let us underestimate the task because this they ain't not a bunch of world beaters all of a sudden. They're the same players that put us in a mess, so it's up to them to get us out of it. But they will walk with no fear or the ought to do so, and that can make a huge difference. The toxic atmosphere will have gone. Ashley's gone. There's no need for chance against Ashley. There's no need for chance of we want Brucey out because he is out. It's only a matter of when they put the stamp on his letter and, and, and hand it to him. And that will happen before Saturday, uh, before Sunday. I don't think under any circumstances the new owners who are switched on, they've had plenty of time to get tuned into the Newcastle situation while they've been waiting, they will want to remove the last bit of toxic atmosphere on the terraces before Newcastle kick off at half past four and the way to do that is not to have Steve Bruce in the dugout and therefore he won't be in the dugout I don't expect for one second a new manager to be in as you said but uh, I would expect Jones to be there because I think Agnew and Clemens will go with Bruce I was speaking to Simon Bird on the Everything is Black and White podcast you'll find that episode below this one and he said 
if you're a new owner and you're sitting in the director's box, you start a new era, a new dawn, you can't have Steve Bruce in the dugout because, you know... Not the, at all. We all know how the fans feel. And I was there at St. James Park on Thursday and uh, the chants were there. Bruce out, Bruce out. People are very clear about what they think about Steve Bruce. And that leads us on, John, to who is... By the way, you also can't have him in the dressing room giving the team talk before the game, etc., because it's the same old negativity. It's the same old, let's roll up our sleeves and dust ourselves down. Uh, we don't want any more of that, so we don't want him in the dressing room for the players either. No, no. And who would realistically be your the realistic option to, to replace Steve Bush? We know now there's, there's money's practically oh. no option, but there's still got to be an element of realism. I mean, we've seen Conte, we've seen yes. uh, Howling, we've seen the Brighton manager linked. Is there anyone that you you think they'll go for and perhaps wouldn't be your first choice or are you just looking forward to it to just a I'm great just manager coming in? I'm just looking forward to anybody that comes after Bruce will be an improvement. But having said that, you hit the nail on the head in passing there, Andrew. We have got to walk before we can run. And the manager we might get now and the players we might get now, like in January, will not necessarily be the manager and the players that win us a trophy in three or four years' time. It was the same with Man City when they, when they built up, uh, having been taken over. Um, at the moment, Newcastle United will be hugely attracted to a lot of managers. But you're not going to get a regular Champions League hitter now. Because we're 19th. You're not going to get the, the, the sort of players... Messi, my baby. So are you, are you saying then you think the person who comes in to replace Bruce might not be the person that's there at the start of next season? Or no, no, longer than that. I think I think there's. I I think we might get a guy in for a couple of years or for three years, quite capable of winning something in that time, like the FA Cup or the League Cup, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But when we win one of the major prizes, like going into Europe or, or winning the Premier League title in X number of years' time. It might be a new manager yet again attracted. Once you're top six, top seven, you'll get managers that you won't get when you're 19th, even though there's a great prospect of, of building. Let's say, and we're obviously just talking hypothetically, but let's say if it is someone like Graham Potter, given the budget Newcastle have, given the money behind them now, would that be an underwhelming appointment, do you think, for some? For some, it would, because, bless him, uh, for some, they, they want Conti, who, who's won the Premier League title, etc., etc., etc. It would be underwhelming, but it might be a step forward. You are always taking a chance with a manager. Can Potter, shown all he's potentially did, do it at the very top level? Eddie Howe found that a bit difficult. I wouldn't want Eddie Howe now. We've gone beyond for me in Eddie Howe. I wouldn't say no to Potter. So I, I, if it was Potter, nope. I wouldn't be disappointed. I know people are after really big names, but I think there's a balance there. I think the owners will have a plan and they'll be they'll be looking for the right man, not just the big name, big name like Conte. As he's won the Premier League, but it's got to be the right man, hasn't it? Oh, without the shadow, though. I mean, the interesting thing when I look back, because I was on the inside when it happened, to the last major takeover and I'm taking Ashley out the equation because that was a disaster and sorry I've talked about him enough in the past when John Hall took over at Newcastle we were about to go in the th old third division worse off than now when we're about to go in the championship the second tier we're going in the third tier then 
The appointment was Kevin Keegan. Now, the charisma of Kevin Keegan, having played up here, the last job he'd done, was ginormous. But the risk that was taken in appointing him, he'd been eight years in Spain playing golf. Not in this country, was out of touch with what was happening in this country, playing golf for eight years, never been a manager in his life. Can you imagine the chance you're taking there? Never been a manager in his life. And what did we get out of it? We got the biggest joyride that we've had in modern times. Well, he can get Shola Miobi 41 to take over in some boogies. Sorry? Shola Miobi 40 to 1. Well, don't put your Ben Penny on it. Uh, now you've talked about do- downers and I'm not having to go at Shola a, l- a lovely Geordie lad uh, but uh, that would be a downer <laughs> by the way I don't want uh, Jones to end up as permanent manager either and that's nothing against him I think he's a very very good coach he's not a number one and you mentioned there you know the fact that we've got to we've got to walk before we can run because as you say Newcastle are still 19th in the Premier League they still haven't won this season so Spurs it's a big game and like I said, we'll have a preview later in the week, but whoever does come in has still got a big task on, on their hands because this team hasn't gelled as yet and people will say, well, that's because Bruce is in charge, but you know, it might take the new manager a couple of weeks, a month or so to, 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 to make everything click together. But Newcastle, we don't have that time either because they are so low in the correct. league. It's, it's, correct. it's not it's not a case of, oh yes, all, all the, the gloom and doom is gone because the reality is that Newcastle are still in bother here. Oh, without a shadow of doubt. I mean, we were going to do this podcast before the takeover happened. We had it planned to talk about the season so far. Can you imagine what we'd be talking about? Seven games with no wins. 16 goals let in. Nobody's conceded more goals. Even Norwich, who conceded the same number. Nobody's conceded more goals. Playing without our centre-forward, who hopefully could be back on, on Sunday. Um, it would have been all doom and gloom. Now, on the pitch, theoretically, nothing's changed. On the pitch, it's the same players who are available to go out there. They will just, I believe, go out with a different mindset. They will go out with the crowd absolutely, totally buzzing. The crowd are more important than Callum Wilson for this game. And my job, we know how important he is. The crowd will determine everything. And in the short term, not the long term, we can get swept along by the crowd. And if you begin to get results because of the crowd, then that can knock on when we get beyond the, the honeymoon stage. But it is still a serious situation. There's no question about that. But we, have, we start with a clean slate, and that is a wonderful, wonderful thing. The players have been sort of privately saying, Andrew, we're much better than the 19th. Right, have they now got an opportunity to prove it? Go out there and prove you're better than 19 because now you can because all the negativity that surrounded you has now disappeared. Instead of being told you're a bad player, you'll be told you're a good player in the investment and let us cash in. You can imagine San Maximum loving it, strutting out there in front of a full crowd and what he's likely to be like on Sunday. If Callum Wilson's back... Willock running from midfield who must have wondered why he joined Newcastle United. Now he knows why he joined Newcastle United. So they, they, they will be, it'll be a totally different ball game. 
but the match has still to be won. They've still got Kane, they've still got Song, they've still got who they've got. Though they're mentally, I think, they're mentally fragile. And if you remember, mate, when when we were going down the last time, on the last day of the season, they came up here, we were already down. They'd fought for the title all season. In the last game of the season with Rafa, and they got cuffed 5-1. And they were so fragile, they were like a China teapot. And I think they could be like that on Sunday as well. Well, that leads me on to the next question. It is about Rafa Benitez. I know a lot of people have said, oh, do you think he's regretting jumping off to Everton? I mean, he didn't know this takeover was going to go through. None of us did. It staggered him, happened. I think, as much as it staggered us. I personally don't think he'll be regretting it as much as people think because he has got an ambitious owner down there. They've got rid of James Rodriguez, so they're going to have money to spend in January. He's already referenced the fact that the owner's very ambitious. But I, there probably is a little bit of what-if going on in his mind, but he's focused on Everton. He's not going to be targeted by the new owners, we don't think. Um, but yeah, do you think he's, there's a little bit of what-if there in his mind? Oh, without a shadow of doubt. Because let me, without a shadow of doubt, because he knows how big a club this is, Everton aren't the biggest club in their own city. Liverpool are. Newcastle stand alone. And, and that is a huge difference. Um, and... Everton fans don't love him as much as Newcastle fans loved him. He was adored by the Newcastle fans. If he loses four games on the trot at Everton, he'll be an, he'll be an ex-Liverpool so-and-so. Uh, so it, it is different. Of course, there'll be a little what maybe, but football is all about that. Um, and no, there's no chance whatsoever that... Uh, Benitez will be back at Newcastle. Um, you mentioned the players' reaction, lots of reaction on social media, on Instagram and Twitter, and it feels like there's a big sense of relief there as well. For them, they seem very, very happy. You mentioned there the fans' reaction. I was down, as I said, at St. James Park on Thursday, and this is what uh, the atmosphere was like. I just want to let you guys hear it, and we'll get John's thoughts on it. Absolutely buzzing! How are you guys feeling? How are you feeling? Ah, uh, no, over the moon, mate, over the moon. I How are you feeling? Over the moon. Well, it's not a word, but over the moon. I just cannot describe this feeling. It's 14 years of hurt and pain coming out now. I mean, how would you put that in the words? I mean, that's just that's literally a minute clip there, and I could I could play four or five hours worth. Oh, I'm sure. Yes, biggest party on Tyneside that we've seen for many many years. What what did you make of the celebrations? Unbelievable and typical, Jordy. We are all mad as a hatter and adore our club, and it's the biggest celebration I've ever known without winning anything. We haven't even won a football match, but by Jove, we won the lottery. Uh, and that is what mattered. Hope came back. We cannot underestimate what this means to fans. 
I mean, I've had people on to me since the takeover from Los Angeles, from Hong Kong, from all over Europe, from down south, saying, Gibbo, what's it like in the city? And real hope and aid for you at this stage of your life, having gone through from 1969 with a great big nothing in terms of silverware. I mean, I'm determined now, I'm refusing for the big man upstairs to take me up there until I see Newcastle win some really big stuff. It's given me a new lease of life. I feel like a boy again because of what might happen. There's a little bit of me realistic because I'm a Geordie and we, we've had false dawns in the past. I don't think this is one, but there's a mammoth task ahead. They've got to get the manager right. They've got to get the director of football right because believe you me, Newcastle's recruitment of players has been dodgy in the extreme. When you think that Joe Linton is the greatest uh, signing financially ever made, is Almirin, is he as good as that? How good's Hendrick? How good's Jamal Lewis, who can't even get in a bad side, in a bad defence, etc., etc. I'm not going to dwell on that. But what I mean is that has got to be overhauled because there was some bad advice going into the club there. Mm, most certainly. And... They've got a plan. They obviously know what they're doing. They've had long enough. Uh, I think this may, may have caught everyone a little bit by surprise of the speed it moved. But what I do like, and I've mentioned this on the on the previous podcast, when they mention the likes of Alan Shearer and the director of football, they're taking a sensible approach to it. They're not looking at it in a, in a really in an emotional way. We all want Alan Shearer somehow involved in the club. We all want Kevin Keegan somehow involved in the club. But what they're seeing, the new owners as well, it's got to be right for everybody, which is the right approach to take. Absolutely. And they're, they're looking at that you know, across the board. The things Amanda Stavely's come out and said are really impressive. And we were talking off mic about, yeah, you know, it's brilliant to hear that. And of course, they've only been in charge for a few days. But it's when you start to see all that in practice. And we'll no doubt probably see that start and move quite quickly. But, you know, stuff like the training ground, and she said it's really yeah. awful. Investments needed there. The academy, they've talked about ambition. Five or ten years, they want to be top of the Premier League, winning the Champions League. All the th- right things being said, and, you know, it's just going to be brilliant to see them get on with this, you know, give the stadium a, a lick yeah. of paint, put in the plans for the training ground because it does need improvement. I mean, Newcastle United haven't even got their own swimming pool. Oh, we, we've banged on about it on these podcasts, Andrew, uh, for many a month and, um, and quite rightly so. The wonderful thing is they've got the vision to want Newcastle to be right. It's no good... Um, being all top coat and no trousers. You've got to have... It's no good bringing superstar players and then they walk into the Benton training ground and they say, excuse me, can you tear up that contract because I don't want to be here. Uh, You've got to have everything right, the structure within the club. And this club has been allowed to run down by an indifferent owner. So it is right. There is an awful lot of work to be done and there's so many appointments that have got to become right. Newcastle were lucky they gambled on Keegan. There's no question about gambling on Keegan when he was manager. But then his eye for a player, because in those days he didn't have a director of football, his eye for the player, when you think of who was brought in, was uncanny. The greatest eyes since... Joe Harvey on spotting talent. We need somebody like that bringing the right players in as well as the right director of football, the right manager, etc., etc. There's an awful lot of work to be done. But the wonderful thing is that this crowd, these fans, will give 
the new owners their support and a little bit of time because they care so much they're so desperate for it to be right they had no chance of it being right now there is a chance so they will be given some time the one thing we've got to do mind is we ain't got to go down this season mm. um, that is absolutely crucial and what we've got to do Andrew is get through to January to give this board a chance to buy some quality players in get through to January well in touch with the rest of the pack and we've got to do that with the players we've got and the motivation we've got in the crowd the crowd are going to be so important not just the home games but the traveling crowd who are always great but instead of the chance of Ashley out and the chance of we won't Brucey out that's all gone and isn't that wonderful it'll be behind the team but we've got to keep in touch realistically in touch so in some ways as much as who's the manager going to be, who's the director of football going to be, are the builders in down the Benton yet, what happens immediately starting on Sunday forward is massively important. Sunday is the most important day in Newcastle's history since the takeover because it's the next and first step. Got to start picking up some wins. I'll just read the quote out that I was talking about there from Amanda Staveley. She said, The training ground is really awful and needs a huge amount of investment. Luckily, that is one area we are not restricted by financial fair play. There is no point in having fantastic players if there is nowhere, to, nowhere for them to train. So, you know, I think that's great. She understands what needs to be done. And you mentioned structure. She's mentioned that plenty of times. She's mentioned infrastructure plenty of times in the countless interviews she's done. You know, it's really refreshing to hear. One thing, John, though, that fans are going to have to get used to, aside from the, the money, uh, aside from the queues around the box office, aside from probably winning some games, yeah. is the scrutiny that comes with this deal. Because already over the weekend, oh. you just have to pick up any of the national newspapers Huge. and the scrutiny is there. Some of it is well-deserved because, you know, there are difficult questions that have to be asked. Manus Daly's already uh, addressed some of them concerns, but they're not going to go away. They're going to be there day after day. We're talking about human rights. Yes, because of the who who, who the owners are. Yeah. And it's important that they are addressed. But I think for, you know, the everyday Newcastle United fan, the scrutiny, not just on the human rights, but just what comes with it. Oh, you've got all this money to spend. It's going to be a totally different way of supporting Newcastle United because of the outside attention on what was once a club that really, outside of uh, the A1 at Scotch Corner, no one really cared about. Do you think Newcastle fans care? I don't think they care, no, I, Josh. I don't um, think they care, but I think it's going to be. I think. I think dealing with that, like you know, I think when they they now pick up the paper and they see them, you know, everyone or him, him, whoever, just throwing things at fans. Or you should be standing up for the human rights issue. Correct. You know, I think it's a different kind of pressure to support Newcastle United. It, it is, but I don't think it's pressure at all, Newcastle no. fans, because no, because they've all, there's all they've always been accused of things that aren't their fault. We, I mean, what did we get before the takeover? We got that Steve Bruce was struggling and that we were unfair on Ashley because we're demanding. We want trophies. Want to be. This is the most, the least demanding set of fans I've ever known in my life. We've never won anything since 1969, but they still filled the crowd with 50,000 there. It, in a way, you can get a siege mentality. Yeah, the world hates us, but we don't care. Now, I am not brushing under the carpet the human rights situation. Goodness gracious. 
without getting too heavy, etc., etc. That is a very serious thing in this world. There's no question whatsoever about that. But it, that is not the fault of Newcastle Oh, no, fans. not at all. No, I don't mean you, but I'm talking about the people that yeah. are having a go at Newcastle fans. And there's plenty lining up in the press and, and either national journals or outside people having a go. The fans didn't pick who was going to take over. They come and Ashley took the money of of this these people. The fans didn't have a choice. Now they're here. Have they not earned the right to be excited? And isn't there a lot of hypocritical people around? For example, let us look at the, the top six. Now, Liverpool have suggested that they want a meeting, an emergency meeting with the Premier League as to why this was ushered through, our takeover, because they think it, it it's wrong and how was it quickly done and that every other Premier League club is supporting them. How, how hypocritical is that? This has got nothing to do with human rights. If it had, you would at least say, well, there's a point, and we're a bit uncomfortable about that, but we're going to have to learn to live with that, because I will repeat, that situation is awful. But this isn't about human rights. This is about self-preservation. They don't want the top six to become the top seven. And, I mean, Liverpool, the audacity, the concern that perhaps the the image and the, the standing of the Premier League is being tarnished by the Newcastle takeover, they tried to get out and form a European Super League. And and now they're getting all on the hind horse. And, and, and by the way, this club that's coming up on Sunday did as much as they possibly could to block Newcastle United. I don't think for one second Newcastle United fans will care a jot what the outside world says about us. Because the outside world have always said we're too ambitious, the club is not as big uh, as we think it is etc etc we've lived with that now it's going to be human rights now it's going to be we win something just because we've got money well did Abramovich not win things at Chelsea just because he had money did Manchester City not win things and still win things just because they've got money money these days talks so why should we feel guilty because suddenly Newcastle might have money and, and might spend it and might be able to buy something. That is the way of the world. And I don't think for one second, you saw the relation on Thursday, I don't think for one second people getting up on a soapbox and having a dip at the Newcastle United fans will matter one iota. We, we had a dip before because we're a bunch of lunatics that never won anything, but still supported the club, so it had our brains knocked out. Mm. Now we might win something. We're, go we're bad for, for expecting that. Can't have it both ways. I'm just intrigued, because I think it's going to be relentless. I think whatever it was like before, it's just going to ramp up 10, 15, 20 times, and I think... Couldn't care, monkeys. No, I, I don't think fans will care. I just think no, dealing I mean, with I it... No, I couldn't, do you? Dealing with it, it'll just be a bit of something different. But we'll we'll see. I mean, Amazon... I'll tell you what. I've covered Newcastle for 55 years, 56 years non-stop. I can put up with this, baby. Don't worry about that because <laughs> I had to put up with the other. And I can put up with with daily sniping at me. And I'll get it wherever I go in the country. I'll give all you. I'd, hey, lovely. Lovely. You know why? Because the first word that jumps to mind is jealousy. They're jealous. Liverpool are fearful 
of what Newcastle might become long-term. Spurs are fearful. Arsenal are fearful. Uh, there's no question about that. Um, and I tell you what, I, I looked at Manchester City when, when Arabs took over Man City, and I looked at that and I thought, why have you picked Man City? It's not even the best side in Manchester. Man United is. And our support is arguably larger than theirs at the time. They have passionate support too. A lot more passionate than Man United who are uh, a prone sandwich brigade in a lot of ways. Um, but I looked at them and, and I was jealous. And look what's happened to them. Now that might happen to us. And by the way, Newcastle United fans have earned the opportunity to do a bit of sunbathing. And we're not at the, don't get the lotion in yet, we're not there. But um, most Geordie households have been knee-deep in cans for the last four or five days, and I don't think they're going to get upset by jealous people outside having a dip at us. Again, I would want to emphasise this is not belittling the human rights issue. That is what I've got to learn to live with, not what people say on the outside. I couldn't give a monkey's what outsiders say. I've just got to get comfortable in my own skin with that one part of the equation. But there is always something wrong. There is never a perfect situation in this life. You've got to make the most of a hand you're dealt with. And the hand's been given to Newcastle supporters. They haven't decided it. Yeah. Um, interestingly, Amazon apparently have contacted Newcastle as well about potentially doing it a documentary inside the club as we get to this oh, I bet new year. So that'll be quite interesting to watch if that goes through. John, we'll finish on just a, a couple of things that you're really looking forward to now. The new one as we've got the keys. Oh, I'm looking forward to everything. Uh, I'm looking forward to Sunday first and foremost because it will be a unique situation. I'm looking forward to being able to go back in the crowd in the ground legally instead of being told I couldn't go in the press box because that has been the situation recently. Um, I'm looking forward to looking forward. I'm looking forward to being able to look towards the weekend and think, I'm going to enjoy myself. It's match day. Isn't this cracking? I'm looking forward to find out the excitement of who the manager is going to be. Who we're going to sign, where we're going to get the results, going to some of these grounds where we used to get cuffed something awful like Manchester United 5-1 earlier this season and, and, actu and actually feeling, hey, we can win here today. Uh, it will be a terrific feeling. I have clung on over 55 years to what I saw as a little Ben in short trousers with Newcastle in their 50s. Uh, winning the FA Cup and then coming in to doing it for the Chronicle and clinging on to the Fairs Cup. I mean, the players in the Fairs Cup are all old-age pensioners, and so am I, and we haven't won anything since. Let us step forward now. and st I'm looking forward to the first trophy that isn't the Northumberland Senior Cup. Um, I'm looking forward to us winning at Wembley the FA Cup or the League Cup, because you've got to start somewhere. That's what I'm looking forward to. And just finally, if Amanda Staveley or Jamie Rubin or any of the PIF are listening to this podcast, we hope they are, please remember to like and subscribe. What would be your message to them? Well, thanks very much would be the first one. Thanks for sticking around when it could have been easy to walk away because this has taken so long. 
Geordies are the most loyal fans in the world and you're very lucky to have us and I think you know that but at no stage abuse us because that's what Ashley did and you saw what Ashley got we deserve better than that you've talked a magnificent fight we're thrilled to be here now fight the magnificent fight and we'll all be grateful we will indeed if everybody wants to head over to chroniclelive.co.uk where you can keep a date with all the latest Newcastle United news. I'll also point you in the direction of our latest podcast documentary, which is on Joe Harvey speaking to life with Supermark Bob Monker and I've everyone John Gibson as well, looking at the life and career of Joe Harvey. And there's plenty of other stuff over on Chronicle Twitter and Instagram and Facebook as well. Please remember to like and subscribe to the podcast and enjoy the rest of your week.